Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Well, what a great honor it is to be back here at First Baptist Church of Long Beach, and I had the joy as the pastor to come to this pulpit over 1,900 times to uh, preach the Word of God. I'm very humbled. I've never been more humbled to be here than I am this morning. I'm very grateful for the joy and opportunity to be an extension of uh, Pastor Delaney's ministry presently. And the church is not about a pastor. It's not about a program. It's not about a property. It is about the person of Jesus Christ that has been brought out this morning. And it's not just something we're saying. It's the truth. Now, for that to happen, that needs to happen in my heart and in your heart. And I hope that this morning that Jesus is paramount in your thinking. And I'm very grateful to be here. I have so many blessings. Enjoyed the message this morning from Brother Jones. And just a great reminder to reminisce and uh, to rejoice, to rehearse. And then request the presence of God in this place. And it's good. So So many blessings have come by seeing people that we know and we share great memories with here at First Baptist Church of Long Beach. And then it's even to me even more thrilling to see people I don't know. And to see that God is still saving souls and adding to the church uh, daily such as should be saved. And I love this about your pastor. He's a soul winner. He uh, tells people about Jesus Christ. He's interested in getting the gospel to others, and I rejoice with that very, very much. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to what Brother Vargo already mentioned to us already, and that is Psalm 78. That was very fitting that he read the, um, the passage that I wanted to bring out this morning, and then we had no, no uh, coercion there. <laughs> I did not know he was going to read that. He did not know I would preach out of this passage, but kind of neat how the Holy Spirit of God puts things together uh, whenever we're, to, we're here. I want to thank you just so many things that come to my mind as I I think about this weekend. And I agree with everything that's said. We look back on 125 years, only God can get the glory. What a great theme of this year for His glory. The word glory, I, I like to use the definition. It means to give others a good opinion of. It's to give others a good opinion of our God. And the buildings are beautiful. Uh, Brother Johnny's done a great job with the property outside and the grass, growing grass in Long Beach can be a challenge. (laughs) But to have someone who owns that is really cool, wonderful blessing. These buildings are just beautiful and never been more beautiful in my opinion. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, The choir this morning, I don't know, I, I I didn't count everybody, but I don't think we've ever had a larger choir than saying today. And just a great, great choir and beautiful songs that glorify the Lord. I like singing in church. The Bible says the Lord inhabits the praise of His people. One of the reasons you might ask, why do we sing in church? Some of you say, I just want to come for the message. You've got some stinking thinking. (laughs) Uh, God inhabits the praise of His people. Whenever we begin to sing and worship the Lord, God says, you know, I think I'm going to show up there. I think I want, the, I want to be where people are praising me. And I enjoyed the, uh, the essence of praise this morning. I would like to uh, encourage you to be back tonight. Uh, you, I've had the joy to speak last night, Brother Jones, this morning and Friday. And, and today I am having the joy to speak for a few moments. 
But uh, tonight, Pastor Delaney is going to speak, and it is our special giving night. Linda and I have come prepared to participate in giving. We wanted to. We are excited about the opportunity. And um, if you care about the Lord, and this is your church, uh, if there's any night of the year, you say, well, I don't normally come on Sunday night. Well, you can make a change. You can say, you know what, that's important. If God cannot be fit into your schedule, you need to evaluate that. And I don't think there's a great pastor, Lee Robertson, said it takes three to thrive. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, midweek service. I think it takes three to survive. If you want to go, the Bible says, and daily they preach. Boy, you want to get excited about church. Whenever the church door is open, be here before the janitor gets here, okay? And enjoy the service. Uh, if you have children, I thank God for young families who decide, you know what, my kids are going to be in church. I got saved on a Sunday night. Never forget the day God saved me. Everybody needs two days, a day of salvation when you know you have Jesus. And another day, a day when you know Jesus has you. What makes you faithful to the Lord is not just you having Jesus, but with an understanding that Jesus has you. And I did not drive myself to church on the night I got saved. I had a mom and dad who loved me enough to get me to church. On a, I went to junior church. I didn't get convicted about my sin. I went to many Sunday school classes. I didn't get convicted. About, I heard many Sunday morning messages. And they, I'm sure God used them to bring me help and information. But it was a Sunday night that God rocked my world. It was a Sunday night that God brought conviction to my heart. And I am so glad. It always pains me when I find parents. Well, well, the kids, we got this, we got that. There is nothing more important than hearing God's Word. Amen. And you want children to have peace? Get them to hear the Word of God. Isaiah 54 verse 13 tells us that when our children hear the Word of God, great will be the peace of their children. You want problems with your kids long term? Get them away from hearing God's Word in your home and in your church family. Let them hear it just once a week. But, uh, but I don't mean to rebuke you. Don't mean, I don't know who all comes Sunday night. It might be just as many are here Sunday night as this morning. I do not know, but I challenge you, friend. Uh, be in church. You always got the clowns to say, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to go home to be married. <laughs> but it makes for a better relationship if you'll just uh, go home. If you want a relationship with God and Christ, you'll be a part of His body. And the local church is one of the greatest blessings God gave anyone in this whole world. Amen. And if you are not involved in the local church, you're missing out on what God wants you to do. Now, I said on, 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 on the last evening, I understand this. God gave us three things so we could be faithful in the Christian life. He gave us His Word, the Bible. Nothing wrong with the Bible. He gave us His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's perfect. And then He gave us His body, the local church. This body of believers, not this building, not a denomination, a body of believers. And you know, I, I've, I've had the joy of coaching before. I always like to coach when all the team is there. When you show up for practice and half the team's not there, it's a miserable. You might as well just send everybody home. And whenever we have a service, I want to encourage you to be there. And maybe you ought to take, say, you know, Pastor, I don't normally come, but why don't you start tonight? Make today the first day of the rest of your life and it'd be a good day in your life and we didn't miss another Sunday night or a midweek service. He said, make it, you know, someone's got to start somewhere. And the Bible tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some are. Some people don't think it's important, so they don't come. 
But I think every Christian ought to bring their person and ought to bring their participation. Uh, come and be there and then bring your participation. Provide your, your, your assent to the work of the Lord and your assistance to the work of God. I believe it's so important we do that. But the local church is a vital thing. What are you going to do with the local church? And by the way, we're celebrating 125 years of the first Baptist church in this city. I love Long Beach. I will forever love Long Beach. I, uh, I love seeing the sign, Long Beach, when I come out of LAX. I love coming to this place. It's very hard for me not to come to 1000 Pine Avenue when I'm anywhere near here. Just to drive around and remember and reminisce the blessings of God. I like to go out to Forest Lawn Cemetery where we have a, um, a little headstone with a precious young man that, uh, that you loved and loved you and loved the Lord. He got saved here on his 10th birthday in his Christian school classroom. And I love going there. I love a local church because a local church, number one, it's a place where you identify with Jesus. You say, well, I love Jesus. You'll show your love by being, a, being consistent to the local church. I love being a part of a church because it identifies me with Jesus. Number two, it's a place where I'm instructed for Jesus. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Everybody needs to come. And this is a church that your pastor preaches the word of God. And I thank God for that. Every time you come, you got to bring your Bible. And uh, that's good. Because it's a place where you're instructed. It's not only a place where you identify with Jesus, you're instructed in Jesus, but it's a place where you are inspired for Jesus. When I got married, I was a virgin. My wife was a virgin almost 30 years ago this summer. But it wasn't because I didn't want to be with her. It was because I went to church. And I was inspired and I was instructed to be pure and I was inspired by other people who did the same thing. I remember giving to the Lord and learning to give to God. It's not because I'm a great giver, it's because I was instructed to give. And then I was inspired to give. Matter of fact, every good thing I've ever done in my whole life for God is because of a local church where I was instructed and inspired to give. Why be a part of a church? Why to get faithful to church? Why? Because you identify with Jesus. You say, I love Jesus, it's his body, it's not your body, my body, it's not the, the body, we don't say it's the body of, uh, of uh, the Delaney's, no, it's the body of Christ, I identify with Christ, I am instructed in Christ, I'm inspired for Christ, and then it's a place where I can get involved for Christ, I can get involved, I can get engaged in the work of the Lord, and listen, you want to do that, you want to, there's no well done thou good and faithful spectator award. No, it's not here for you just to watch everything happen. You need to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do it, I think the best investment going for your time and your talents is to find something to do in this body of believers. Amen. Some of us, we get excited because we can come and sit and soak and sour. <laughs> we just want to come and sit. We just want to come hear the word. I remember people telling me, you know, I just want to... I remember a guy coming, he was a banker here in, in Long Beach, and he came with his lovely wife, and he came for about uh, five months, and he said to me one day, called me aside, said, you know what, we're not coming back to First Baptist Church. He said, we're going to go find another church. Said, Brother, listen, when I come to church, I just want to hear the word. I don't want to be provoked to give to missions. You're always, you make it seem like everybody would be like you, always doing stuff. Always serving, doing something. You kind of make me feel uncomfortable. I don't, I don't, I want to go to church where I can just hear the word. 
Let me tell you something, friend. There's more than just hearing the Word. Hearing the Word brings faith. Faith brings actions and it brings service and something to do for the Lord. And I think everybody ought to be doing something for the Lord. Can you sing? Get in the choir. Make it a larger choir. Can you play an instrument? Get in the orchestra. Can you work with children? Qualify to work with children. Can you be an usher? Be an usher. Can you help with an audiovisual? Help with audiovisual. Find something to do and do it. It's a place where we get involved. And then lastly, it's a place where we can invest. There was someone very important who said this. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That was Jesus. And he was talking to people he loves. He loves you. And he says, lay up for yourself. He didn't say lay up for me. Jesus doesn't need your treasure. The earth is the Lord, the fullness of the world. He made the heavens and the earth. He doesn't need a dime. If you don't invest in the work of the Lord, he'll find somebody else. He can get a rock to talk. He can get a donkey to talk. He can get a rooster to crow. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. But he gives us an opportunity. He says, listen, you're going to need the investment. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I think the heaven, everyone that goes to heaven gets, goes to heaven the same way. They believe and receive Jesus Christ. Plus nothing, minus nothing. But not everyone is going to enjoy heaven the same way. You need to make an investment. You need to say, you know, I've got a little window of time. I've got a little parentheses of life that I need to do something for Jesus. And what you've done, someone said it in a, in a song, only one life so soon will pass, only what's done for Christ will last. Listen, you have a little bit of time. You know, there's a secret about banking. God says you have two accounts. You have an account here. Maybe it's in Chase or Wells Fargo or, or another bank in the area. And then you have an account in heaven. There's a secret about accounting. You only have money in your account when you make deposits. Yeah, it's true. Jesus said, make sure you're making a deposit in heaven. I look forward to the offering. I kid you not, before I left, we left on Wednesday night, Linda and I sat down and we evaluated what we owe God in our tithes and offering for last week, what we want to give to God to show Him our love and gratitude, and then what we want to invest in eternity. And we sat down together. We gave some money to a special project at our church. We gave some money. Our largest gift is to world evangelism. We gave some money because of our tithe. What we owe God, I, I don't know about you, but it's dumb to steal, but it's really dumb to steal from someone who can watch you steal. <laughs> God gives me something. I want to. It takes two things to tithe, arithmetic and obedience. Do the math and obey. I want to make sure I do that. Why? Because I want to make investments. And then there's many blessings that come now. There's so many blessings that come. You get, you get peace in your home. You get protection. You get provision of God. He begins to jump onto your little wagon. When you get a heart for God's big world, He gets a heart for your little world. He gets to help you. You'll find so many blessings. I love the local church because I identify with Jesus. I'm instructed for Jesus. I'm involved for Jesus. It's a place that I'm inspired to serve Jesus. It's a place where I can invest for Jesus. And I'm glad I can do that, and I'm glad you're doing that. I hope you'll be back tonight. I think tonight is probably the most important service of the entire week. And if you can only come this morning or tonight, I hope you'll come tonight. And uh, if you can only come, pick one, I hope you'll come this evening and uh, be here tonight. Don't miss the time. What time is the service? 
5 o'clock. Good, very good, and I hope you'll be back this evening. If you have your Bibles, we're in Psalm 78. I'm so glad to be here. I want to thank you, too, for being so great and gracious to our son, uh, Derek, and, uh, and uh, of course, uh, Jillian. We love them very much, and that's another good reason we want to come. We come sometimes to see them, too, but... Uh, <laughs> We love seeing them, but thank you for loving them and helping them and uh, being a, somebody was talking to, we were making a soul winning call yesterday morning, Derek and I and Mason, our son Mason is with us today, our youngest boy, and, uh, but um, making some soul winning calls, visiting with people, sharing the gospel with them yesterday throughout the region. And he said, Dad, uh, you know, I, I feel home here. I feel at home in First Baptist. I feel at home at Long Beach. And that's not just because of your boring weather, sunny and 70 every day. <laughs> you want some excitement? Come to Chicago in February. It's unbelievable. Uh, we've got some excitement going on over there. We have hail in the, in the summer, all kinds of things, thunderstorms and, and snowstorms. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. But he said, not the weather, it's the people, it's the ministry, it's the person. And thank you, Brother and Mrs. Delaney, for loving our kids as well. I want to hasten, if I can, and not be too long. I do want to tell you one quick story. I think that uh, years ago when I became the pastor, I was 32, and Brother Vargo was my friend and has been my friend for many years now since uh, back in the uh, late 80s. But when I became the pastor here, he gave me a book, and it says How to Be a Pastor by Theodore Kyler. And in that little book, it said this, A house-going pastor makes church-going people. So I decided I would try to make visits every day, be in someone's business, someone's hospital room, someone's uh, home address, someone's front doorstep every day that I was a pastor. I've not always been successful at that, but since I got that book, I, I have tried to do that and got that in, impulse because I think that it's been something that God has used to help me see people saved, and I wanted to be a part of that, so I did that. I was thinking about a young man, he, he heard that too, and he decided to make visits, and he was a young pastor, and he, he knocked on the door of folks that uh, he thought were in their home, and he heard some rustling, but, and heard some talking, but they didn't come to the door, and it really kind of bothered him. If you've ever been soul winning visiting, you know what I'm talking about, that just happens sometimes, and you're knocking, and you know they're there, and they're looking out the window, and they close the window, and then, you know, the, the curtain, and you stand there, but he was kind of frustrated, but he wrote a little note and said, Dear so-and-so, stop by to visit. You didn't come to the door. Revelation 3.20. Brother Jones referenced that this morning. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come into them and sup with them and he with me. And he thought he was really cute. And he left a little note on the door. Sunday morning, he got a note under his door. And it said, Dear Pastor, and it said, We're sorry we didn't get to the door. Genesis 3.10. And it said, And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. <laughs> so I'm really glad they didn't come to the door, and I think he found that out. And then don't underestimate God's people. They know their Bible too, brother. I'm telling you what. What is it the First Baptist Church of Long Beach needs to do on this uh, May 2019? Looking back over 125 years, God gets the glory. We've gotten the good. 
We sit in buildings that most of us did not build. John Miller and his dad got off work early and they would come over here and build the building after a long day's work. He would know something about that. Miss Donna Siegfried got baptized here 50 years ago. She might know something about that. Lots of people, but most of us, we sit in buildings that we did not build and we sit in chairs that we did not purchase. We play in the gymnasium across the alley that we did not do anything to except for just enjoy a basketball game or a volleyball game. We'll eat in large parlors and, and reception centers and put our kids into nurseries that we really had no real uh, part in putting it together. And that's not about a building, certainly, but it's about a future. And today, this morning, you want to tip your hat to the past. And hats off to the past, but there ought to be coats off for the future. Every one of us ought to come this morning and as we face another year and another month that members of First Baptist Church of Long Beach, that God would help us to say, you know what, it's not just about the past. This is our time. It's our watch. It's our opportunity. And in a few years, someone's going to sit in these chairs. And a lot more people need to sit in these chairs. There's, new, there's boys and girls, if you ride up the streets of Long Beach, you'll find many broken homes and kids who would love to be here, who need this church. They need someone to bring a van by their house or a shuttle or a bus. They need a Sunday school teacher to get a burden for them and do something instead of just coming and sitting and feel good about the fact that we lit, sit through two hours of a church service. There's something needs to happen and, and God tells his people here. He said, give ear. I want you to listen to me because I really have a purpose. And the purpose is I want the next generation to know about me. I need someone to give today so someone will get saved tomorrow. I need someone to be faithful today so other people will come to Christ tomorrow. I need a family to, to faithfully get involved and quit messing around and instead of getting less and less committed, become more and more committed for the Lord Jesus Christ and be faithful to Him. Why? Because somebody else will need this church family in 126 years and 27 years and 28 and the next time they open the vault and open that, uh, that box again, and the, there'll be someone who will be thinking about, thank God there was a church there. How does that happen? Well, let's look real quickly at the passage of Scripture, if you would, please. And we see here, verse number 4 of, chapter, of uh, Psalm 78, the Bible says this, we will not hide them from our children. By the way, everybody ought to be concerned about children. Children are crying for someone to love them and help them. We'll not hide them from our children, but show unto the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. And uh, He established a testimony, that's the Scriptures in, in Jacob, and appointed the law, once again a reference to the Scriptures, and He commanded our fathers that they would make them known to their children. Would you read verse number 6 with me, or would you? That the generation to come might know them. Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God and His commandments. And might not be as their fathers. There have been people who used to sit with us. They're not in church today. They used to go to a Christian school. 
They used to teach our Sunday school classes and ride our buses and they used to drive our buses. They're no longer doing what they once were. Why? Because they were stubborn and rebellious generation. God is caring about the future. And with that in mind, if you could look at this, and I need to hasten, but Psalm 78 is a really a sad chapter of the Bible. He tells his heart for the future and that children who are not yet born will know and put their hope in God and rejoice in his great works. And then he said, but the people I gave that to, they didn't do such a good job. The children of Ephraim, they had bows and arrows. They had everything they needed. They had all the tools. They had learned the verses. They had been given the opportunities. They could have done something with what God gave them, but they did not. God tells the legacy of failure after failure and difficulty. But whenever he really needed the next generation to happen and to get it, the Bible says he chose David. Would you look at the last three verses of this passage, please? He says he chose David, verse 70. Also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds and from the following the ewes being great with young and he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance and so he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. Father, I want to do my best to go through this very quickly but I need your help. I don't want to waste the time of my precious friends. I certainly do not want to do anything that would complicate the Delaney's ministry. I do want to challenge us because First Baptist Church, to do what it ought to do, is going to be able to affect the next generation. It's going to have to have a heart after God. I pray you'd help us to know what that might look like in Jesus' name. Amen. What First Baptist Church of Long Beach needs, in my opinion, it needs some Davids. David was very unique. He succeeded a failure in the man's name of Saul. Saul was stubborn. He was rebellious. It was his stubbornness and his rebellious and his presumptuousness that caused so much trouble. For the nation of Israel, his own house, his own boy Jonathan went down with him because daddy didn't do what he was supposed to do. And it takes just one person to swerve and then there's a lot of shipwrecks. You can get your nose out of joint about something that happens and you can say, well, you know what, I'm out of here. But you better remember those little boys and girls that call you daddy. You better remember those little boys and girls that call you mama. You better remember those people that call you their Sunday school teacher and your bus captain and things of that nature. You might want to just think about that and say, you know what, I'm going to keep being faithful. But David followed up that and the Lord looked and saw his nation. It was a mess. They'd been given so much in their legacy, in their history, in Jacob, and the law of Israel, and all these things, and yet they were a disaster. And the last few verses of this chapter say, you know what? God says, I chose David. I don't know a lot about David, except what the Scripture tells me, and even that I don't know all I should know about him. But the Bible says about David, he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who understood how God thought a thing about things. He had the mind of God. He understood how God felt about things and he understood what God wanted. Do you understand that? Would your neighbor say, that guy, that girl has a heart after God? 
Would your kids say that? Your wife, your husband, your friends, your mother, your dad, your family? Would they say, you know what? They have a heart after God. That's, that's the compliment God gave David. And the Bible says he chose David. Several things about David that I want to encourage you to have as you look forward to the next year of the life and times of First Baptist Church of Long Beach. And by the way, not the building, not the institution, you. What can we look forward to? What, what can we do to have a heart after God? What was it that God saw in David? Number one, David was selected. He chose David. You know, God has chosen you. I think about Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12, and he says, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, that he counted me faithful. What did he do? Put him into the ministry. Every one of us are put into the ministry. That's not just Pastor Lane's verse. That's your verse. There's a job God wants you to do. And listen, those of you who are like me, you've got most of your life behind you and not most of your life in front of you. What you cannot do with energy, you need to do with urgency. And what you cannot do with physical abilities, you ought to do with your checkbook. You ought to do with your investments. You ought to say, you know what, I'm ready. I can't do what I used to do. I can't climb behind a bus steering wheel and drive again, but I can buy a bus. I may not be able to stand long enough to teach boys and girls Sunday school, but I can purchase curriculum for them to be taught that. I may not be able to play the piano and the organ like I used to do. And by the way, Miss Mimi, Miss Tisha, that was fantastic. Such praise to the Lord. But I can buy another piano. I can do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. I can find a way to do that. You are chosen by God. There's a purpose that you have. And listen, whether you're 19 or 91, all of us ought to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he put us on the planet, he saved our wicked souls, and he gave us a job to do. Be ready. In just a few days, you're going to see Jesus. In just a few days, every one of us are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to be glad we did or we wish we would have. You take your pick. That will not be his fault. None of us are going to stand and say, it's not my fault I didn't serve you. It's not my fault I was stingy. It's not my fault I gave. No, no. You're going to have to answer to God for you. I'll answer God for me. But he was selected. That's a privilege. This is not the kingdom hall. This is not a mosque. This is not a Hindu temple. This is a place where the word of God is preached. And we worship the Lord in two elements, in spirit and in truth. It's a huge responsibility. We've been selected. Number two, he says, I chose David my servant. Every one of us ought to be serving. Every saint ought to be a servant. Every, every single member ought to be a minister. And I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but you ought to have something you're doing for Jesus. I don't know what it might be. I don't know if it's gathering a prayer meeting with your friends and spending an hour and doing what Jesus said. Could you not tarry with me one hour? So, Pastor, I can't even go soul one anymore. Can you get together with friends and begin to pray for the souls of men and women, boys and girls? We ought to pray that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth. Find something you can do. He says, David was a man to God's heart. He was chosen by God. He was selected. He was a servant. I want you to notice, secondly, thirdly there, look if you would please, verse 7. He chose David, his servant, and took him from where? Sheepfolds. He chose, he didn't cho choose a guy in a palace. He took a shepherd and put him in the palace. You know, I want to say this to everybody here. Everybody here 
at First Baptist Church of Long Beach, and every Christian who's been saved ought to be shepherding somebody else. Years ago, I had a preacher that came to our church, and he stood right here. And he said to us as a church, and I, I remember it, he said this. He said, everyone ought to make someone else's spiritual growth your personal responsibility. Everybody ought to be shepherding. Jesus was the good shepherd. He chose David, who was a shepherd. Moses, he was a shepherd. And you ought to be shepherding somebody. There's somebody who would sit with you for 45 minutes a week and study the Bible, and you could teach them the Bible. And you know what? When you teach the Bible, you may learn the Bible. Everybody ought to shepherd somebody's heart. You ought to say, God, give me somebody this year that I can shepherd. There's a single mom in this community who would delight if someone would just sit with her and give her an hour and of, of instruction and encouragement and affirmation and attention. There are people all over the place. There are fatherless children that would love to have someone love them. There are people in this room, there are senior adults sitting in these high-rises that were just starving for attention. Someone would teach them the Bible, shepherd somebody, disciple somebody, get engaged. I can't help but think my dad, he was raised in an alcoholic's home. His mother would eventually die of cirrhosis of the liver because of alcohol poisoning. He and his little brother lived in Knoxville, Tennessee, and out in front of their porch were oftentimes tarot cards and crystal balls and, and just foolish, sick, uh, stupid things that they did in, in ignorance of sin. But thank God for a little Sunday school teacher. My uncle said he's not a, he wasn't taller than five foot tall, John. He said, our house was a mess, dysfunction, drunkenness was just the norm. And we'd oftentimes go collect Coke bottles and go to baseball games, sit outside a, a fence just to watch a ball game, just to get away from mom in her drunken state and my dad, and they just fought like cats and dogs. That little Sunday school teacher got a burden, not just for a two or three little boys in the Sunday class, he wanted to have 10 or 12 boys. And he got a burden for the little boys in Knoxville, Tennessee, and he came to our home and he began to tell us, about a Sunday school class he had. And every week he would have us come. And every day he would send the kids to big church on Sunday morning and he would ask one boy to stay back. He'd put a folding chair in the corner, another chair facing the corner. He would sit in the corner and he'd put that one of those boys in that folding chair and he'd say, son, can I talk to you about eternal life? Can I tell you about Jesus? Jesus loves you, son. You need to believe and receive Jesus. Can I show you that? He would take his Bible and turn it around so we could read it, and he would tell us how to be saved. One day, my uncle tells me, he said, your dad, Richard Lynn Wilkerson, he was asked to stay after class. I went to big church, and whenever he came out of big church, he said, Douglas, I got saved today. I got saved. They went home and told mom. He was 12 years old, 11 years old. Went home and told mom, mama, I got saved today. She was drunk. And she said, are you going to be saved? Everybody knows the Bible says you've got to be 12 before you get saved. <laughs> well, that's not in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> my dad knew he got saved. So my uncle said, John, I, I wanted him to ask me next. I saw your daddy's life change. I saw the joy and the happiness he had. And even mom's drunken comment did not de defer him at all. And I wanted next week for that little Sunday school teacher to talk to me, and he didn't. And the next week he didn't. But finally, he said, Douglas, why don't you stay after today? Because I couldn't have been more happy.
That little man took the Bible and showed me how I could be saved like my big brother Richard. And I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Oh, friend, you need to shepherd somebody. Ladies, don't be content just to sit and listen. Many of us, we have heard so many life-changing messages, we don't even know who we are. We're information fat and application skinny. People say, I just want to get fed. Just get me fed. I just want to get fed. You're already so spiritually fat, it's embarrassing. It's not, it's, not, it's not what you know, it's what you do. You know how you do that? You pass it on. You take what God teaches you and you teach somebody else. Help somebody else. Be a shepherd. David was special because he was selected by God. He was special because he was a servant. He served. He had the dirty towel at the end of his life. That's a good thing. He was a shepherd. In closing, I'll tell you the other things real quickly. We find that he was a steward. He fed, God says, his people. I think probably if I could say one word that could help most Christians, if you'd understand that we and I, you and I, we own nothing. Everything belongs to God. We're not an owner in this lifetime. We're a manager. And you're a steward. That money you have, the talents you have, the training you have, the trials you've experienced, all of that, your time, your talents, your family, it's not yours. They're God's. And they're given to you for a lifetime, and God is watching what you're doing with what he gave you. Because it's his. Well, then I, 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 you know, I, I built this business. I did this. I did that. No, you didn't, Spanky. You didn't do that. No, God let you do that. You couldn't put two and two and make four if it weren't for the grace of God. No, everything God gave you, you did it. And learn to steward. You know why God selected David? It's because he was a servant. Because he was a shepherd. He had a shepherd's heart to help somebody. He was a steward. He understood the sheep weren't his sheep. The church wasn't his church. It was the Lord's. The people weren't his people. And what you have is not yours. It's his. Then the Bible says the last two things. Look at verse 73. Would you read it out loud? 72. Don't read 73. It's not really a good verse. <laughs> 72. Let's read it as we conclude. Can we? So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them. The beautiful thing about God says about David, he says, no, he's a servant. Yes. He's a shepherd. Oh, yeah. He understands that everything he does is for me and it's my stuff. It's my people. He understands stewardship. But he was, he had the heart of integrity and he was skillful with his hands. And I would say to every one of us this morning, you want to make First Baptist Church his 126th year better than his 125th? You want to catapult this thing to be used of God? You want to be used of God? You want your church to be used of God? You want more things to happen eternally? I know it's the heart of your pastor. It's the heart of me for the church that I have the joy of being a part of. It'd be a dream for me. I love to see everybody here this morning. You want to see that happen? Then there's two other things we need to do. We need to have a sincere heart. And we need to keep working on the skillfulness of service. Get better at what you're doing. Unless you're just sitting and doing nothing. Don't get better at that. 
Heard about a guy named Sam Jones. He was preaching so hard. He preached on, went to revival meeting. He preached really hard on sin from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He had a testimony time. And people were giving. He said, let's, let's see what you're giving up. What are some things God's doing in your heart? You're saying, I am going to stop doing that. The fellow said, I've been disobeying my mom and dad. I'm going to quit. I'm quitting it. Another guy said, I've been smoking cigarettes and I'm going to quit. Another guy said, I've been drinking and nipping uh, at the bottle and I'm going to quit. One lady said, I've been, I've been gossiping. I've been telling terrible things. I've got into saying bad things about people and I shouldn't have said it. God convicted my heart, but I'm going to quit. Boy, everybody was clapping. Good job, good job. And it was really getting in a frenzy. A lot of people were getting right with God. And one old lady got down here. She's about 70 years old. She raised her hand. She stood up. She said, and Sam Jones said, what can you say, ma'am? Because I ain't been doing nothing, and I'm going to quit. <laughs> if you're not doing nothing, you better quit. <laughs> say, you know what? I'm going to start serving sincerely in my heart and skillfully with whatever God gave me to do. Let's make, let's do, tip our hat to the past. Let's get our coat off for the future. Let's get with it for the glory of God. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill and the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh. <sighs> when care presses you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt, and you can never tell how close you are. Success may be near when it seems like it's so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things go wrong that you mustn't quit. Whatever you do, there's so many flashing billboards in the Bible that says be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It tells us let's not be weary in well-doing. In due season you'll reap if you faint not. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Let's continue it on for the glory of God and the good of others.